Hey now, it's Brace for Impact, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined by author, teacher, coach, mentor, and for some reason, the co-host of this fucking podcast, JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? Got a lot on my plate. I'm not an approved. I am a teacher, but I'm not approved by the board yet, which means I don't know my <laughs> schedule. I don't know the details. Everything I can't get into any of the programs I'm training, and I don't know what I'm training. It's been it's been a stressful couple days for the guy changing the careers. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. And I got my yeah. Kickstarter closing in ten hours. Yeah, I was about to say you're kind of a dumb dumb, and I'll tell you why. Hell yeah. Uh- <laughs> So not only did you take this new job, you did it in the middle of this humongous Kickstarter campaign where you're trying to break records. And I think you're doing that, by the way. We're getting close, right? Two away. I'm two away. Two away. Scotty and Sam. Scotty and Sam put us on two. Fight Game Media, baby. So thank you. Let's go. Let's give it up for Scotty and Sam. Let's go. So two away from 100, right? That'd be the the record for you, right? 10 hours and then we'll be done. That will be the record. The, 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 The dollar bring in is low, but that wasn't the point of this campaign. The point of this campaign was to break my record for camp for uh total backers so i've right. already done that it was 90 we're at 98 i want a cool Ooh. 100 and then people get a free story out of me so let's do I ain't it. Let's do shit it. else unless i get those two extra backers <laughs> let's go Man. let's get two extra backers uh, i uh, i i'm excited hopefully uh tomorrow whenever i do the emergence the emergence post show uh, i'll be able to announce that you had your two extra backers so tell us a little bit about the kickstarter and about uh about your new book man just go real quick real we'll quick. get into that before we get into the show it's very simple samurais versus vampires uh yojimbo versus dracula a wandering ronin samurai during the feudal era of japan is hired by a young girl to take out the dreaded shogun and then he discovers not only he is a vampire leading a demon horde that lay that rules over Japan. And because it's in Japan, they don't know what vampires are. So mm. we get to play with the stuff because they don't know they're fighting vampires. I never used the V word in the book. It's a short down and dirty story. It's only 150 pages, which for a, a novel is, is really short. So I call it a novella. Mm. So this yeah. is a uh, very unlike what I normally write. It's fun. It's uh it's uh, not silly, but it's over the top action. If you like, like um, from dusk till dawn, near dark, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff with, uh, you know, some samurai action in there, some Kurosawa films. It's a nice little mishmash of all that stuff. And uh, Kickstarter is going to run for another 10 hours. So if you get up early and listen to this, there's still a good chance to go into Kickstarter and look up Red Sunrise and uh, come join the fun. <clears throat> Red Sunrise. I know you tweeted it. I tweeted about it. And a lot of our friends have tweeted about it. So let's go ahead and uh, let's back this book. 150 pages. That's a that's Mike Gilbert length. That's like the perfect you know, any, anything more than that, it'll take me about six months to read. So it was it was hard to write, to be honest. With you keeping it short like that because I'm used to like getting like sprawling, but the challenge was to just make this short, and it was a, it was a challenge. Yeah, and speaking of a challenge, uh, tonight's impact. I'm just kidding. <laughs> actually, 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 other than uh, I would say the opening match, it wasn't it wasn't even a bad show. But uh, the uh, let's go ahead and go to the BTI pre show pre show. Uh, Steve Macklin took on Crazy Steve, and of course, Steve Macklin won. And that was talking BTI, everybody. Thank you, thank you for talking BTI with us tonight, folks. Hey, talking BTI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Macklin got a win, so that's cool. I'm yeah, about time. About that. Yeah, he's uh, he's heading uh, to Emergence to fight old Sammy Callahan. So good that he got a little bit of a victory before he loses to Sammy. But uh, do you know who else is headed to Emergence with two thumbs yeah. and a lot on his plate? 
Yeah, let's. Uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll save we'll save that for uh, the end of the show. I I, Fair. I have I have we're gonna do like so we're gonna do the recap, and then we're gonna get into like an emergence preview, and then we're gonna kick it over to Patreon, and we're gonna talk some news there on uh, patreon.com slash fightgame media. We got some news to talk about. I got a little debate topic we're gonna uh, hit over, so we'll brace for debate tonight, and then uh, but during the emergence preview show i wanted jd to tell us what he's got going on for emergence so that should be fun and what was not fun was this first match carl anderson defeating kenny king i don't i don't know if it was just me dude but this seemed like the longest match in history i don't know what it was like they didn't have the audience the crowd was sitting on their hands the entire time it seemed like they were working kind of hard but kenny king's a bit bland to me he always has been yeah. and i and and carl anderson it was not bright lights carl i would say um just it it just was not a good match honestly they should edit it down to be like less than five minutes because they have the power to do that i i just didn't care for this opening match at all me neither i thought this was a boring match like we joke about you know uh what we call him bright lights carl when the bright yeah. lights are on he steps up this was not this was this was not that. And Kenny King is um okay, I guess. And they just um yeah. it wasn't a bad match, but it was just a it was a boring match. Like it just and I thought I jokingly tweeted, are we back in the empty arena era? Because like nobody it was like a WWE crowd in the middle of Raw when people are like wrestling. Like they yeah. just nobody reacted to anything until Heath came out and then they went crazy for Heath which just <laughs> Heath's over dude uh, yeah, like we, we keep Love questioning it. why they're pushing Heath is some of a bitch is over it's true. But yeah after after the match uh so Carl Anderson let's see uh, King focused on the left leg of Anderson for the next few moments but Anderson was able to mount a small comeback before King was on the attack once again King went to hit the royal flush but failed and Anderson out of nowhere hit the gun stun for the one two three then after the match King attacked Anderson with a steel chair before he before, but before he could do too much damage, uh, with honor no more banned from ringside, Heath flew in and nailed King with the wake up call before making a quick exit. So, uh, that's how they're uh, they're getting Heath over. It's whatever. Hey, look, whatever they're doing, it's working because the guy gets the crowd going every single time. Yeah, sure. I mean, they like they like him, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm man enough to acknowledge that not everything is for me. Oh, I agree. And this it doesn't work for me, but I can't hate on the you know they, the crowd enjoys him, man. The crowd loves the guy. So no, it's like I said, um, like a lot. There's large chunks of this promotion that leave me scratching my head, and this was this was one of them. Um, but at the same time, I don't think Carl Anderson and and uh, Kenny King gave them a lot of reason to cheer. Like I know the Machine Gun is capable of better matches, and it wasn't like I said, it wasn't like the effort was bad. It just was kind of there you know yeah 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 no i i don't know i i didn't really care for it at all um next we had a, a video package airing focusing on alex shelley's road to his upcoming match for the impact world championship uh tomorrow night at emergence um and uh, yeah this is his very first shot at a world title i thought this was very well done they're making it seem like this is a an important match i dig what they're doing with shelley here i have issues with this let's come back to it Okay, so you want to just cover that in the uh, the closing segment? I'm gonna. It's gonna culminate in the closing segment, but I want to bring it all together. Okay. No, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, next, we go to Kushida with a uh, Chris Saban defeated a uh, Doring with a uh, or Diener, sorry, Diener, Diener. with a uh, Joe Doring. Um, I man, like 
night and day with this match versus the the opening match. I thought this match was actually pretty dang good. Uh, Diener is a pretty underrated guy. I know a lot of folks rolled their eyes whenever they saw that Kushida was wrestling Diener because Diener is more of an enhancement talent, but they want to get Kushida with some victories. Maybe they're going to do something where he gets a title shot at somebody. So they got to beat guys. Diener's the guy that you beat, but Diener can actually make you look good while you do it. And I thought this was an effective match to do just that. No, it's felt like um like an early round J cup match, right? Like, yeah, not like down the road in the, like a night one, you know, kind of middle of the card, but not like a bad middle of the card, like J cup match. That's how I felt about this. And I, I mean that with all the praise in the world, like, yes, I thought Diener worked a really good match, but you're right. Like we knew Kushida was going to get the win, but the effort was really good. And I thought they did a better job, not a great job, but a better job getting the crowd. And I don't blame them. This crowd seemed really, really flat. I don't know if it's the marathon taping or what, or the yeah. fact that it was like six people in the crowd. Just they just weren't reacting to much of anything. It was a weird night, but I like the match a lot actually. I like this. I yeah. like the uh, the hammerlock bridging suplex finish. I thought it was a good yes. way to win. Like it was uh, it was cool. It wasn't the hoverboard lock is uh, is good. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. And they they brought in uh, you know Saban and Doring on the outside, and um, at uh, at one point uh, Saban took out Doring. And it looked like you know when someone does that flip dive off of the apron onto somebody, it always mm-hmm. looks like they're like they might as well just be throwing a pillow at them, but Saban went at Doring yes, hard. Yes, he did. He that was I thought that was awesome. The vast majority of um, dives and flips to the outside suck, with the exception yeah. of like Darby Allen's because he looks like he's trying to die every time he does it. And yeah. I thought that Saban just came off like with that senton like a bat out of hell. It was great, but it it's was Chris great. Saban. I was like, yeah. Well, I was also I was like for a second, I was like, man, has Doran got heat? What's going on? <laughs> he came at him hard, <laughs> and and like it looked like he legitimately knocked him over. Like, <laughs> but you got to, you got <laughs> yeah, to. Doran's a big guy. You can't do the pillow yeah. stuff. Then it's gonna look terrible. It's gonna look yeah. really bad if he if he falls down and, and Saban just kind of half ass rolls into him. And Saban, a veteran, knows better. He trucked he trucked Doring as hard as he could, and it looked awesome. This was a good match. The more I think about it, the more I liked it actually. I liked everything about the match. I thought it was great. And I think uh, for anybody that rolls their eyes at Diener, you can eat a whole bag of poop, sir. Because I think Diener's a good wrestler. Not a big one. star, but look, he he loses. That's what he does. And and he's very effective at doing that. So Someone has to – okay, this is the thing with wrestling fans. It's like, why does this person lose? Someone's got to lose. Yeah. Your favorite's got to lose sometimes. If you got guys that are favorites that aren't main event guys, they're going to lose matches. And you're going to cry about it. And they're not going to win belts. And it's going to hurt your feelings even more. Yeah. But he's really good at it. He's proven his worth to this company time and time again. Yeah. Well, not only that, he's like a backstage producer. Mm -hmm. So he's putting together matches. He's he's a jack of all trades here. So, excuse me. No problem. Good. Yep. Good for him. Um, Then we got the Impact uh, Plus flashback moment of the week. This was like Chris Saban versus... uh, uh, Alex Shelley for the X Division title at uh, Teenage Genesis 2009. This is peak Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, they had a little bit of a wonky finish with a Shelley kind of almost turning heel on uh, Saban, which I think was a little bit foreshadowed in the main event, uh, the the closing segment uh, here. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe uh, maybe they're doing something. Hold this thought. I will say okay. I think I had the exact same <laughs> shoes as Alex Shelley back in 2009. I think I had those exact same <laughs> wrestling shoes back then. I went, hey, I had those. Um Hold that thought. This all kind of comes okay. back to my final thought. So to close the episode tonight, JD's got a whole thing that he I, wants to go through. I do. Yeah. 
a whole thing about Alex Shelley. Um, then backstage, we go to digital media champion Brian Myers. He's bragging about his victory last week over Taurus, uh, which they actually, the the people he was talking to, because it was a bullshit victory. They were calling him out on it. Um, he had some funny lines. Um, before inter- being interrupted by Gujar, Gujar challenged Myers to a match and basically questioned his uh, championship worthiness, and uh, Myers accepted. So they will, uh, on the pre-show during uh, during emergence, they will do that match. Finally, they've been building it forever, it seems. Gujar's not a good promo, right? Like, English, not, English isn't the first language kind of thing. Like, why are we putting him in this situation to make him to exemplify his weaknesses and pretend and hide his strengths. Why do we it's do this? Al- well, it's almost like um, they have their playbook, right? And they're not altering their playbook for the talent. They want the talent to come in and adapt to them, which they should be adapting more to the talent. They should be hiding his weaknesses, which is obviously promos. And he's pretty green, right? He doesn't quite have it all put together yet. I think the guy's got some talent and he might be something one day. He just ain't there yet. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like they're putting him in a position to be a, an actor backstage when really he should be cutting a couple of sentences while they do like a video promo stuff. Like what, uh, you know, AEW does with their luchadors. They do it an effective job or mm-hmm. they do it with a lot of their folks where it's just like a uh, one camera, you know, they're just talking into it for a couple of seconds saying two things with some uh, cool background music and that's it. Sometimes we get guys from WWE production who come in and they, they bring those same philosophies in and this was very wwe stuff where you put a guy in who's not terribly comfortable saying things and you make him recite the lines that jimmy jacobs wrote i know this this reeked of something that they would do with him so if (laughs) i'm wrong i'll i'll take the l but i don't think i am like i just don't i mean like we can't push black taurus because he doesn't speak english so we're going to make a guy who who doesn't speak very well read lines like yeah. it's just stupid. Like there's just so many. Like Brian Myers is a good talker. He can carry this segment. You can be creative about finding a way around it that doesn't make your challenger look bad, right? And make why can't, bad television. Why can't we have managers? What are we doing? Because like, uh, baby faces. Because WWE baby faces have can have managers. managers too. I know baby faces can have managers too, guys. By the way, why can't you know they they had uh, the great Gama in this promotion at one point. He was managing, I guess, his kids in the promotion. Now, um, they they've had other folks. Why why can't we get this kid a manager and then and, and give him some help? Get bring in a legend or somebody or a retired wrestler and have him do the talking for him and just let him cut you know one to two cents promos. Like uh, I, I don't, know. I agree. I agree. Like it just it bugs me because well, this isn't the way the WWE does things, and we get so because this company's got a long track record of trying to do things the way WWE does. And there's a couple things tonight that I felt like were very from the WWE playbook and things that they should not be doing here, and this really stuck out because this did nothing. Again, I was mad last week that that we can't push Tarus for this reason, but we're gonna yeah. push Gujar and make him look bad in the process. It was it was bad booking nobody nobody gets protected the only guy who gets a little bit over is myers because he can talk mm-hmm. backstage promo aired featuring uh, all three members of violent by design eric young announced that vbd would battle chris saban and Kushida at emergence yes sir why was this after Diener lost wouldn't it make more sense to put this promo before Diener wrestled so we're not trying to look spooky at the guy who already lost a match <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think they just wanted to because they're trying to get to the. No, I get it. Yeah. I I get it. But why couldn't? <laughs> wouldn't it have made more sense to put this promo before Kushida wrestled Diener? 
mm-hmm. the placement doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It yeah, fine. it probably would have been more. Yeah, fine. It, was, you know, it, it was fine. Yeah. I've seen Eric Young cut the same promo 8 billion times in the last two years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Killer Kelly, she defeated uh, Tiffany Nieves. Or is it Nev- Nevis or Nieves? I think Nieves. it's Nieves. Yes. Um, and this was a, a, yeah, a, a simple squash here. Killer Kelly came out to some cool music, had the red lights, the cool outfit, beat this girl's ass quickly. They dimmed the lights again and uh, do the whole thing. Uh, I thought she looked great. She looked like a star. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, great presentation. Great push. She has a fantastic look. Love the way she moves around the ring. Love the, uh, the, I, someone, I think uh, Hannafin compared her to Black Widow. Like, I like yeah. that. She actually does a better job portraying the Black Widow comic book character than, than uh, Scarlett Johansson does in the Marvel movies. For all my comic fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, this is good. I, I think it was Lucha in the, in the, uh, in the chat was like, I hope that they don't just do the Masha storyline with her or the lack thereof storyline. You know, yeah. I hope we get to see some, some character building stuff, not just eight months of squashes. The squashes yeah. are fine no, I, here and there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like they haven't really, they've slightly progressed with Masha. She's been beating some stronger opponents, but um, I, I think killer Kelly is going to go right to Tasha Steele's soon. They've been building that. So maybe she'll get that victory here pretty quick. Hope so. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, a video package aired featuring the ongoing feud between Honor No More and Bullet Club uh, for their upcoming match in Emergence. And then back, they would go backstage to Eddie Edwards. He was giving a pep talk to the members of Honor No More and declared that they would be victorious tomorrow. He was doing his uh, best of Paul Heyman uh, <laughs> before the very first pay-per-view. <laughs> well, yes. What the hell was the name of that pay-per-view? Um, oh, God. Um, what the hell was it? I, I was just talking November oh, to remember with oh somebody, God, but that no, wasn't that it. Was, it was um, it was because uh, it, it was an April show. Barely legal. It was Taz and barely legal Taz and Sabu yeah this is the dance like he didn't say that but that's kind of what it reminded it, me of it was one of the greatest promos I've ever heard it's well documented in the uh the the documentary film beyond the mat oh yeah one I of the best theater one of the yep. best pro wrestling doc you know one day I gotta ask LaRocca what he thought of that because um old Roland doesn't come off very well in that movie I'm very I would love to hear an APW side of that story I should mental yeah. note I should ask that someday um yeah that was a great promo, and it was it was very much, uh, you know, Eddie doing his best, Paulie, and it was it was fine. It was actually my mm-hmm. favorite promo of the show. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I thought it was strong. Yeah, got me uh, got me a little pumped up for uh, for the show tomorrow. So I'm digging it. Um, and then next we go to uh, Mia Yim. Um, she defeats AEW superstar Madison Rain, who just uh, unfortunately did not defeat Jade Cargill in uh, their epic match on Dynamite from last night. Um, this was, they, I, I think, uh, I think this was a much better match than the yes. Jade Cargill match. <laughs> and better. Yeah. I, I tweeted this out. I said, uh, Madison versus uh, Mia Young, better than Madison versus Layla Gray, better than Midland Madison versus Jade. Um yeah, it wasn't. Um, Madison's not a traditional worker to begin with. She's no, a personality, she, right? She's good at getting silver, which is why I think she's going to be a value for AEW coaching and doing that stuff. But that match with, I mean, like Kira Hogan bumped when a foot went nowhere near her. Like, <laughs> I was like, geez, this is bad. Like, I don't know uh, what I don't know what it is about pro wrestling in AEW, women's pro wrestling in AEW, where stuff just doesn't look good. Now, don't give me, well, they don't get time. Like, no, like I see women have matches in other countries and other places that look better, but for some reason when it's on Dynamite, it don't look good. I don't know well, why. Well, Jade is working 
once a week. Sometimes not even once a it's week. It's not just her though. No, I get it. Jade's I, I know Jade's Goldberg. Like I, I can accept Jade she, not she, being great. She is, but Goldberg progressed quicker than Jade. Goldberg, because was, Goldberg working, was working four or five times a week with yeah, with he, some of the best wrestlers. You know, he was squashing a lot of guys, but then he would do he would do house shows and stuff where he would do longer matches against you know super great talented guys like Hugh Morris and William yes, like these guys. Yeah, so part of yeah, you're right on that. He was getting more work, but I don't know if Goldberg progressed more. Goldberg was Goldberg nearly killed Bret Hart by mistiming a kick. So it's he, not like Goldberg he, was a great worker by any stretch. Of no, but he was capable of having a really good match. I mean, I always go back to Halloween Havoc 1998 with Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page incredible. Is yeah, there, he could be carried to a great match. Is this a hot um, he take? Wasn't going to, Am I going to get in on. trouble for saying this? Hold on, hold on. Oh, hold sorry, on, Michael. Hold on, go hold on. Brace for debate. That was unexpected. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, that, <laughs> I was not ready for that. Um, there's no, there's no female in the AEW locker room that's as good as Diamond Dallas Page in 1998. No, well, Diamond Dallas Page was super, super over as a babyface. But he was also really, he'd also gotten really good at that point. And it wasn't like he was at that point, like up to like 97, nobody thought Dallas Page was any good whatsoever. And then he got a chance to work with Scott Hall and Randy Savage all over the place. And all of a sudden got awesome. But this is kind of why I'm like, they need more work, right? The AW women's locker room, they need more work. But I don't know if we need to see. I, this is again. This is going to get me in trouble, and I'll, I'll just say it. I don't know if I want to watch it because it's never very good. You yeah, know? like, and you know, it's a thing where the stories with the women in that promotion are not very good. They're exactly they're not being they're not being prioritized. Like, and everybody's like, well, why do people say that? Impact's women's division is better than AEW's women's division. I'll say, well, look, it's not that it's it's not like they have better wrestlers. I just think that they are made to be a bigger part of the show. AEW has the better wrestlers. They have the deeper roster. They have more talented women, like up and down. I would say Do at they? the top, you know, Impact at has the- look. Impact has Deanna and Jordan Grace, um, and they and I think they can immediately right. go over to AEW and be top stars there. I but agree. everybody else is just kind of like if they were to go to Ty- AEW, they probably wouldn't get TV time. Ty- Ty- Ty is good, but I I Ty is I, better than just about everyone in the AEW locker. Yeah, but I I think the reason why people think that it's better is because Impact just focuses on them. They always like even if you don't like the stories, there's always a story going on with the women. I agree with that. Not only in the in the main, but in the tag team division, there's always something going on with them. And the women, the Knockouts champion, is always being promoted right up there with the World Champion. Whenever they're promoting this Emergence pay per view. Josh Alexander and Jordan Grace together went and did all the media rounds. And then they sent Jordan Grace back a second time with Moose. And then before then it was, it was always Moose and Mickey James. So like they, they're always like seen as equals. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the women can even main event. So that's why people think that about the impact women. It is. And I think, but I think impact has a unique situation that AEW doesn't have is that impact can do whatever they want on their show. Right. That's true. The, yep. the, we don't hundred percent. We don't examine the quarters. We don't examine no. minute by minutes of impact. So they can just do what they want. And oftentimes, like I said, that's a problem. Like we talked about earlier with the uh, uh, Cody Dean, not not Cody. I forget. We talked about earlier. Oh yeah, the 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 Bupinder stuff. Um, they they don't have to worry about. And I guarantee that a lot of those knockouts things, the ratings probably aren't as high minute by minute wise than like what Josh is doing and stuff like that. So they have the flexibility. Whereas Tony Khan and AEW. 
those those ratings go down. And you could say it's a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy, and I cannot make that argument. I cannot say, no, you're wrong. It is not. They they program them and the ratings drop because of, you know, da-da-da. But at the same time, I, I will say it again. I the matches are often average to not great. You know, um, I enjoy I enjoy Brit stuff to me. I know that's that's like I, a hot take. I, like, I enjoy Brit. I like Brit Pick. <laughs> me too. I like Tony Storm. I like yeah. Jamie Hayter. I like Rosa in theory, not always in execution, yeah. but like Ru- Ru- Ruby Soho has been a letdown to me. She has been a letdown. Just, People are like, oh, yeah. they've done nothing with her. She had an awful, awful finish to a match. And I think she lost a lot of confidence in that. Like yeah. that missed detonation kick with Nyla Rose. Say it was in the story, but it looked really bad. And like, I think she really blew an opportunity. Like, I think that it's just not as good. And I think that it actually can, I think if you had more segments in there, it could actually hurt them rating wise. And that's my JD's being an asshole. I will, I will wear that. I will accept it, but it's just, it's such a far cry from their men's division. Whereas impact, I think it's when Deanna's not there, when it's not Deanna, it's not Jordan. It's also a step down. It's also a big step down most weeks, but there's not the scrutiny. Well, yeah, well, it's because nobody watches. It's just us. It's, yeah. it's, 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 just, it's the impact and, faithful. And when we and when it's bad, we say it's bad. But uh, we but do to their credit. Even if we, even if you, JD and Mike don't like the stories because they don't appeal to us, mm-hmm. the fact is they always got something going on for the they women do. in this promotion. There's always something going on with them. They do, and again, um, that's that's good. And it's also, but I see I see both sides of the argument. So I don't know. I don't know how to get. I don't know how to fix any. I don't know how to fix any of these situations. I really don't. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the match. So with both ladies back on their feet, you nailed a Pele kick. JD's going to get us canceled before finally saying goodnight to Rain and landed the eat defeat for the victory going into her championship match against uh, Jordan Grace tomorrow night. I got to say, I'm looking forward to Jordan and Mia. I think that's going to be a hell of a match. Who's the heel? It's babyface, babyface. Okay. Baby, yeah. Baby. Okay. Just yeah, baby face, baby face. Don't need a heel. Mm-hmm. Just uh, which same with the main event. Mm-hmm. Probably not, not. Not. I mean, look, nobody's gonna buy this fucking thing, right? Like nobody. The and I, I do have uh, some inside knowledge about some of the ticket sales that are going on, so I was able to to get some numbers. But uh, Patreon, Patreon. Oh, it definitely for Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, backstage, uh, VXT won't be calling them Vexed, although they do have a T-shirt out now. Uh, bragged that they were going to party like it was 1999, so they would have been toddlers uh, back then, I would think. As a man who was in college in 1999, <laughs> it made me feel remarkably old at that moment. Hey, so in 1999, I would have been 16 or seven, 16 or I turned. What what, what year was I born? 83. So what's that? 16. 16. I was 19. Yeah, I was six. Yeah, I was 16 in 1999. I just remember. Um, going into Y2K, the New Year's Eve, getting into a big fight with my parents because I wanted to go celebrate New Year's Eve in the booming town of Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> uh, 200,000 people in that town. I wanted to go out and go go see what was going down, see all the chaos, but they were worried that the world was coming to an end, so they wouldn't let me go. <laughs> I was in college in my apartment, and we all went, three, two, one, collective beat. Happy New Year, everybody! Wait, yeah. just a second, just like we, yeah, okay, you know, it was fun. I was like, I was like, well, you know what? Uh, it's still not midnight on the West Coast. Maybe that's when the world's going to end. But uh, yeah, nothing happened. Yeah, they were these these women were children. 
Yeah. Uh, promo aired for Bound for Glory to take a place in Albany, New York on October 7th. There you go. Uh, backstage, Jordan Grace confronted Mia after Grace insulted Yim. Mia fired back and left the current knockout champion frustrated. He didn't really go into detail about the. It was not really much of an insult. She just asked Mia Yim, hey, are you going to be good to go for tomorrow night? And Mia said, yeah. And Grace uh, basically said, well, you also said that the last two tag matches we had and uh, we lost. And Mia correctly said, well, it takes two to lose a tag match, lady, and that was the whole thing. So Mia, no, no real heat here, but uh, um, babyface, babyface, got a little bit of a rivalry going. Eh, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it was short. Match, it, at least it's putting. Yeah, Matt, I, I thought the Madison and Mia Yim was a good match. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Bailey in, I would say, the match of the night. And if uh, Dave Meltzer watches it, it might be the match of the week. I don't know. It's going to be hard to beat uh, a couple of bloodbaths from Dynamite. But uh, I thought this match was incredible. It was good. Um, it, it was it was very good. Rocky Romero turned back the clock. He looked great. Um, he had no business being in the fucking match because he hasn't won a match in Impact in over 15 years. Mike, he, loses he, hasn't, in, he hasn't won anywhere. Rocky no. loses everywhere. Rocky loses in New Japan. He loses in AEW. He loses in MLW. Rocky doesn't win. Rocky, I can't remember you know, the last time Rocky won a match. Yeah, and you know, and I know he's a babyface, but they really missed an opportunity to tell the story because they hinted at it that he was Matthew Raywalt's boss in New Japan, right? They they kind of made a joke about that. They could have said, well, Rocky's leveraging his position in New Japan to get himself a title shot. That's an easy story to tell. I know he's a baby face, but they still could have used that and be like, hey, look, you know, he's he doesn't deserve the match. He never freaking wins. Um, it's about as egregious as Takeshita getting a Ring of Honor title shot. Makes no sense because all they do is lose, but here he is getting a title shot. But I gotta say, uh the ma- that that business aside, the match was awesome. Uh match of the night by far. So what I've been saying week after week after week. We have good wrestling, so we forgive things. That is a very easy story to tell, but like I feel like not just here, I feel like it's everywhere. We're yes. being lazy with storytelling. Lazy, lazy, lazy. And especially when we have just baby faces. We just have baby faces wrestling baby faces for no reason, for the thrill of competition. When that happens once in a while, I'm fine with it. But when it's all the time, it's a little much. And it is all the time everywhere. No reason for things. Why is Rocky getting a touch? Why well, is from New Japan? Oh, okay. Like, I mean... Chris Jericho, I get. Takeshita, yeah. okay, he's over. People love him, but he's right. like, he's. I mean, like, I can't think of a guy who's lost that many matches and been given so many high-profile matches. Right. Statistically, he had no business being in the match. <laughs> it's so like Takeshita or statistically. Or yeah. Statistically, Takeshita should be booted out of the country. He keeps losing. His weak reason cannot <laughs> yeah. be good. If this was right. a shoot. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, Romero won a tournament in Rio de Janeiro that we didn't hear about. Maybe at least they would lie to us back then. Mm-hmm. Wrestling was so much better when they could just lie to us. I think and people just believe we... the lie. And nobody was like, oh yeah, they're lying. But you know, we'll no, accept it. Yeah. They're trying. Yeah, but uh, again, great match. I think everybody should go out of the way and watch it. Um, and then Bailey is going to face Jack Evans tomorrow night. So who also Got doesn't it. deserve a title match? He hasn't been in the company. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, who's the heel net? Which we I don't know. Jack could be the heel. He has a bit of the company. I, I have no idea I, what he's gonna do. I don't think Jack's a babyface or a heel. He's a guy who does a couple flips and that's about it. I don't know. I've never cared for Jack, but we'll get into that in our preview. How about that? 
we'll, we'll talk about old Jack Evans. All right. So we got our main event. It's the Impact World Championship contract signing for Emergence. Um, they, uh, Josh Alexander. Uh, so Coach Demore introduced Alex Shelley, followed by World Champion Alexander. Demore welcomed both men to the ring and let them have the floor. Alexander Price, oh, he also put himself over as being kind of their coach and mentor. So <laughs> Scott Demore did not uh, uh, miss that opportunity to put himself over. Old school. But to Alex. Yeah, Alexander told a story about seeing Shelley at a show in 2005, and that's when he wanted to become a wrestler. He stated that in 17 years, he's never faced Shelley, but that he's faced hundreds of Shelley copycats, and that he's honored to be facing Shelley tomorrow night at Emergence with the world title on the line. Shelley stated that he respected Alexander, but questioned why Alexander is better than any of the copycats. Alexander took offense and said that he was more of a Chris Saban guy, which made me laugh, and reminded Shelley that both him and Saban had what it take to win the world title, uh, and that basically Shelley doesn't. Um, Alexander s- stated that uh, he needed that Shelley needed to be better than his best tomorrow night, as he has never been good enough to be the world champion. Shelley stated that he has he's had zero opportunities to win the title before praising the passion Saban has for the business, and then kind of went and said, "I have lost my passion several times. It's kind of waned, but here I am. I'm getting this title shot." And said uh, basically told uh, Alexander uh, he said. Uh, Shelly followed up by pointing out all of Alexander's injuries. He actually, it sounded kind of cool the way he was describing it because you could tell that Alex Shelly is a medical guy. He's a you could, yeah. That trade. was cool. Um, uh, and then stated that he's going back to 2005 to turn Alex, uh, Alexander back into an Alex Shelly mark. Shelly signed the contract, looked at Alexander, said, there's your Alex Shelly autograph, Josh, before leaving the green, completely punking out the world champion, turning his back on him and leaving. I think I know where you're going with this. JD, the floor is yours, sir. Who's the heel? It kind of seemed like Shelly was becoming the heel, but then oh, he ended up bunking out Josh. Oh, and Josh kind of looked like a little bitch. Josh did look like okay. Here's the thing: this yeah. was a written segment, right? They wrote yes because you don't end because that was a great beat to end on, right? Here's your Alex Shelly autograph. Great line. I was like, oh, bravo, fantastic. So that's how you know the whole thing was that Alex Shelly did not think that up on the spot. So here's my issue with all this: the in our flashback, what did we see? We saw Alex Shelly suckering his best friend who we also had a long feud with before they became a tag team that did not i thought they should have played that up but they did not like um we saw him suckering him for the x division title he tricked chris saban so it seemed to me narratively speaking that we're setting up that alex shelley will do anything it takes to win a big match especially for a championship that is not the story we told during the contract signing right josh was being a dick at first right but not it was like a very wwe contract signing i'm gonna say my zinger then you're gonna say your zinger then i'm gonna counter your zinger and then you're gonna put your last one in and put me in my place that's beat for beat every contract signing that doesn't end with a power bomb through a table and oftentimes it will go that way until the power bomb to the table like i just i couldn't figure like again we have more we have baby faces versus baby faces you have to create some type of a of a uh, a conflict here, right? But Josh is our baby face, and he got punked. He was started. He started being a dick, and then got punked out. And like, <clears throat> Ellis, like, oh, he's a good promo. I'm like, that's not a good promo. Like, he, I don't think he, he as a, like, I did not leave that contract signing being like, man, I cannot wait to see Josh defend the title. You left that seeing, oh, Alex Shetley. That was that segment was about Alex Shelley, and nobody yeah. got anywhere. Like, it wasn't about anything and this is what i'm talking about there's no storytelling i felt like 
I felt like they were intentionally pushing us into one direction with the flashback. And then we get to the actual contract signing and there's nothing about that. Alex Shelley should have been like, I'll do anything it takes to win that title. And skeered into the heel a little bit. It doesn't have to be a heel, but if one of them was going to steer that way, Josh should be Sting, right? Mm-hmm. Josh should be our good guy because, you know, that's what he is. And then Shelly should be the one who'd be a little sneaky because as we saw, when he was at the height of the Motor City Machine Guns, he could be a little sneaky. He is a Kevin Nash protege. Yeah. Right? And we didn't see that at all. And it seemed like they were telling... Like they would just it seemed like they wrote that segment without knowing they were gonna put that flashback in the show. And I thought that the two worked against each other and hurt each other. Because again, we're going into this turn this match that we know Josh ain't gonna lose, and he looks kind of stupid going into it. And I don't think it was good. I don't think it was good at all. I, I thought Josh started out so saying someone's a good promo is different than someone that can deliver their lines well. And agreed. I thought that he he delivered his lines oh, yeah. well yeah, agreed. Agreed. Early, agreed. early in the thing. But he Alex Shelley came across like the bigger star to me I when agree. this whole thing was over. And I think they were trying to make it because most people don't feel like Alex even belongs in the main event. He's not really a contracted guy, didn't have a ton of wins. He's more of a tag team guy anyway. He's never really been seen as a world champion contender. And so they were trying to make the audience believe it. Well, I think they they made it like he overshadowed Josh in the segment and Josh is the world champion. Um, Shelly came across like the cooler guy. Like I, I kind of, I kind of, uh, you know, identify with Shelly after the segment more than I identify with Josh. I kind of want to see Shelly win the thing. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Here's the thing is you can sort of say Josh doesn't have, or uh, Shelly doesn't have the credentials to be in this match. She's been on television for 15 years and yes. knows how to make, and know this is the thing about the value of being, I think a lot of people talk about this. They talk about matches and how good matches are. As I say, week after week on this show, we watch good matches every week. I can't tell you what the awesome matches were last week because yeah. we see them all the time. Knowing how to hold yourself on television is important. And I say Alex Shelley was a student of Kevin Nash, one yep. of the smartest guys in the business. And if there's anybody that would know how to take a segment and make it all about himself, it was Kevin Nash. And that's exactly what Alex Shelley did tonight. He completely big dog Josh Alexander. And that's what they, and they wrote it to be that way is the funny part. Well, and they recorded it a month ago and they still aired it. <laughs> this is my, and this is my frustrations with impact. It's like, there's no way they can sit there in the editing bay and go, oh yeah, this is what we wanted. I could yeah. just. I get frustrated so much. I'm like, why? Why? What are we doing? Josh is our champ, and he comes off looking like, you know, the subpar champion. Kind of like people. Talk, I see us talking about about Hangman Page. Like when he was the champion, he just, eh. and it's true. When he was the champion, yeah. eh. he never well, came you know off what? as the guy. Right, and I I was thinking about this the other day because I was I was thinking about like the comparison to Josh to Hangman, and there was another comparison sure. because you had the long. You had the long story, right, uh, of him chasing the title. You had the chase, which was big, and he was very good and very effective in the chase. Moose was a great heel. They told that story beautifully. But once that story is over, then you got to carry the title, and you gotta you got to get those next feuds going, and he wasn't able to do that. Same thing happened to Hangman. Hangman was going opponent after opponent, and then the same thing happened to Brian Danielson. Daniel Bryan in WWE where they did that long chase to WrestleMania 30 and he finally won the big one. And then there was a big drop off after WrestleMania with this popularity because the story was over. Do you know who else that happened with? Sting. 
Yes, yes. Yep. I keep comparing Josh. To, I keep comparing Josh to Sting. This is exactly what happened to Sting, and this is the this is like the differences between WWE booking and NWA booking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down real quick. In NWA, the champion was always a heel, so you had yeah. these big, and this goes back decades, right? Like Eddie Graham book like this. Like this is just like how it was. The, hey, the your champ was a heel because you wanted to see the baby face get his revenge. That's the story. And when the baby face gets his revenge, where do you go from there? Right. Whereas in the WWE, what was the, and I'm watching this for a project right now. Do you know what the buildup for Hulk Hogan winning his first title was? Oh, he just showed up and, and knocked oh, no. out the sheet. He was no, a couple no, weeks before then, but it, oh, here's, and I'm, I just watched this this week. Okay. Backlund's announced for the match. It's yes. gonna be it's gonna be Backlund Chic rematch, and they put Backlund on TV, and Backlund has to say, "I can't go, my shoulders hurt." Yep. And then now, now they would do this big, but then at the time, and then Oakland go, "We have to figure out who's gonna take his place. It's gonna be this man, Hulk Hogan." And then Hogan comes out, cuts his promo. They sold out Madison Square Garden on a promo from Hulk Hogan. Hogan goes out, thrashes the Sheik, has the belt for four years. It was not about the buildup to him winning the title. They put the title on him as soon as possible, and then the story started. It's a complete different booking philosophy. When you're booking with the heel champ, when the babyface wins, that's that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And yeah. it oh, it constantly happens. And I think the same thing with Hangman Page, right? It was about him trying to get to Kenny Omega. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. I got it. Everybody's happy. And then what? Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely. And, and Hangman, when Hangman gets a second title, I think he's going to be a bigger star. Um, after he gets a second title, maybe does a heel turn, but does something like that. Um, you know, Bret Hart kind of won it out of nowhere in 1992, but he didn't really become the superstar until he won it again in like 94, right? Yeah. He was he was a good babyface, always in the middle, you know, kind of towards the top of the card. But it wasn't until he beat Yokozuna in WrestleMania 10, whenever he really got to superstardom. I I think I think Josh needs to drop the title at some point this year. I'm not obviously not. It's not going to be tomorrow, and I don't think that he's going to lose it at Bound for Glory. But maybe in that November December pay per views that we got coming up, maybe he drops it then, and then they they go for a new story or something like that because there really has been a a storytelling drop-off since Rebellion, all up and I, down the card. I, I agree with that. And again, it's everywhere, too. Like, um, It's funny. When Brett was the champion the first time, he, much like Hangman Page, was not the focus of the company. Do you remember 90, late 92 when Brett wins? The focus of the company is Ric Flair versus Randy Savage. And and Ultimate Warrior was in on that. Too. Ultimate Warrior was in it, then he leaves, and they work yeah. perfect. In. But, I mean, like it's it's yeah. basically been the Flair-Savage feud that drew everywhere, by the way. That was oh, that yeah. started earlier in the year. Like so, Brett was also playing. Like, it was very similar to him. I think you're right. And Sting was the same way. Sting was lost in the. And I'll go on forever about the the Black Scorpion angle. <laughs> yeah. When I can talk about it for hours. When Flair and Anderson are working this super racist angle with Doom, that's getting a lot of attention, right? It's just it's hard to be the guy when the other guy, the old guy, is still there. And I think we got. A little bit of that with Josh, but I mean, at the same time, there's, I don't know if we've got, like, I do think we should, I, I think the time to put it on Eddie was earlier when I don't know more was hot. I think we mm-hmm. missed our, I think we missed the chance with him. And I don't know if we wanted to go with a super hot heel as the champ for, for a minute. I don't know who that is right now. 
I don't either, man. But hey, we're going to go into our emergence preview. Uh, it's going to be emergence coming to you live from Cicero Stadium in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. It's in Cicero, uh, a- Illinois. Cicero. It's not in Chicago. Sorry. It's Chicago adjacent. It is Chicago adjacent. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, JD, what, what would you like to talk about with the emergence? What are you going to be doing during the show? I'm going to be going as a member of the press, as a member oh, of the nice. Fight Game Media family. Thanks, Ross. Ross Foreman's a wonderful human being. We never speak yeah. ill of him. I think um, he does a great job there promoting the shows. I think he's he wonderful. Does. Great person. Yeah. Um, I've got I'm I've been taken care of by the good people at Impact. I have no idea where I'm sitting, but I'm going to try to bring the little guy out to the Impact show. We'll see if Mom will let it go. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm very excited to go. I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. Last time I went to the stadium was back in 2019 to watch MLW's uh, Super Fight Night or something. Like that. I forget the paper, the first and only pay per view they've done. And that was LA Park, right? LA, LA Park, Park versus Fatu. It was good. Yeah. Fatu. Scary. Yeah, it was oh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they, Fatu had a lot of heat back then, man. He did. He did. Man, I'll say this Joseph Samael in yes, this era dude. Could, draw, I, could draw heat. That I was, you know what? When we're talking about managers, like Impact needs to bring that dude in. He's Hell, incredible. Yes. He's. I don't he, know why he's not on TV. Maybe he's a dick, or maybe, maybe there's something going on with him. I don't know. But Do you know, he's yeah. the Sheik's nephew, right? Legit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he is. No, it's like no wonder this man knows how to draw heat. But that when that contra angle first started, it was really good. The problem with it is they yeah. just like everything they drag it to death. But I mean, like they, this dude would get like in the year of our Lord, 2019 was getting legitimate heat like people wanted to kill him like yeah he that is a, I, why doesn't impact sign that guy that's a great question yeah yeah they should sign that guy he's awesome yeah. uh on the countdown pre-show speaking of needing a manager bupinder Gujar will challenge brian myers for the impact digital media championship uh, who do you got in this one uh jd brian myers uh, my answer is who gives a shit? All right. Uh, <laughs> knock, impact <laughs> impact knockouts right. tag team champions. Uh, Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary defending against Chelsea Green and Deanna Perrazzo. I'm shocked that this is on the pre-show. Honestly, I, did, I didn't see this being a pre-show match. Considering that whole thing that we had earlier about the focus on the women. They're on the pre-show, but is what it is. Uh, what are we thinking here, man? Uh, I, I, I have it. I, dude, I think VXT takes it here. I think that we got new tag champs. I, I agree. We're to call them VXT. They're calling them vexed on impact, but I refuse. Okay. I wasn't. Yeah. I know they said it, but it didn't register to me. And VXT just is too much like NXT, which I think is why you're doing it. it yeah. Yeah. They're going to yeah. win. Yeah. I think they're going to win. I know that Taya and Rosemary just got the, just got the belt, but uh, I think they got something with green and Prazo. I think they have good chemistry. Um, and so, so does Taya and Rosemary, by the way, but I just think there's something special about green and Prazo. I think they're really gel well together and they can be the tag division. Yeah. I agree. Um, to the main show, Violent by Design versus uh, Chris Saban and Kushida. We it's going to be the uh, the motor splitters. The motor splitters. I I agree. I don't. I think uh, when Kushida loses, it'll be against uh, one of the champions. Uh, Sammy Callahan. I can't. I can't pick this one. Sammy Callahan versus Steve Macklin. What are we thinking? It's going to be Sammy Callahan. All right. I'll I'll embrace a bit. I'll go Macklin. Sammy Callahan loses all the time. Uh, You're right. Uh, tri- so does yeah. So does Macklin. Yeah, it's true. Triple uh, A showcase. Uh, Bandito making his Impact debut versus Ray Horus, uh, which should be incredible. I'm sure these guys have wrestled a thousand times. Uh, Bandito is who I'm going with. But what you thinking? 
if this crowd is the same makeup as the MLW crowd, <laughs> oh my God, is this going to be great? Cicero is a heavily Latin American population, and boy, do they love their lucha. This could be this could be awesome in this stadium. And it's Bandito, man. He's gonna he is going to wow impact before he does nothing in this company. So I mean it's gonna be great. Yeah, you know what? And he um he actually has a big match on the tapings the night afterwards, by the way. Oh. Um I'm going to I'm gonna look it up. I will try to find it. Let me see here. But I know he's he's in a six-way match with basically all the top stars. Yeah, here it is. So on Second City Slam, which is the night afterwards, what is Eagles boss? What the hell? Okay. He is um it's going to be Eddie Edwards versus Steve Macklin versus Moose versus Witch Swan versus Bandito versus Callahan and on the night afterwards. So we're talking Saturday night Second City Slam which will be the Impact tapings. So that should be uh that should be a tremendous match, but I did that want is, to get that plug in there. It is, sounds like a number one contender match. <laughs> that is the most impact match I've ever heard in my life. Six <laughs> six way yeah. number one contender match. Um, they they didn't announce it as a number one contenders match, but I follow Impact closely enough. It's a number one contenders match. Hot take: Bandito should be the champion in three months. Uh, he won't be. He should right. I was about to say reasonable take. Uh, I don't even think he'll be in the company in three months. But yeah, you're probably yeah. right because they'll decide. <laughs> well, this guy can't cut a promo. Like he's a real yeah. life superhero trying to get people vaccinated in Mexico. Like he's one of the most like wonderful human beings in the world in professional wrestling. Everybody loves Bandito. He stole the show at All In three years, four wow, four years ago. Like he stole God, the show at Ric Flair's last match. Stole the show at Ric Flair's last match. Yeah. Every time you put Bandito on the card, he's all people talk about when it's done. So you know, um, he'll be doing jobs to Brian Myers in three months for the digital media title. <laughs> If he's in the company, yeah. <laughs> because Jimmy uh, Jacobs will decide he can't cut a promo. Yeah. Uh, Bullet Club, uh, Austin Bay, Hikaleo, Gallows, and Anderson versus Honor No More. If Bullet Club wins, Honor No More will disband. Um, but if Honor No More wins, uh, OGK gets a tag team title shot. I th- I have a hard time calling this one. Um, I Dude, I got to go with Honor No More, if, especially if we're going towards Eddie Edwards getting the title shot at Bound for Glory. That's what makes the most sense. It does, but I really feel like the stable is kind of dead. Like, I feel like they should have done this match like six months ago. I really do. Like, yeah, it just, I feel like we just, we're just behind on all this. Like Eddie should be in this spot a long time ago. The gun, the uh, OGK should be in this spot a while ago. Like I could, if I could see either way working, honor no more should win. Yeah. But I don't think they need to be a stable anymore because I don't think it's that great of a stable. Like, I just don't think they all work that well together, you know, especially now that Ring of Honor's got like eight belts on the other show. So, I mean, like, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, and especially because, you know, Vincent was just on the Ring of Honor show as a member of the Ring of Honor roster. Yeah. Yeah. So um, makes no sense to even call them Honor no more. Um, so Impact X Division champion Mike Bailey uh, is scheduled to beat Jack Evans uh, coming <laughs> off the street here. Um, hopefully he makes it on time and is awake. Hey, real quick, we did it. Yeah, one hundred backers. Oh, we hold have- on, one hundred have- backers. Let's go, Kevin yeah, Ely. Kevin up. Ely hit it to ninety nine. Our hey, our uh, boy from to- the boom. 
Yeah, the boom. Listen to the boom on Fight Game Media Network. Comes out every Monday. Uh, Kevin Ely and my buddy, the peppermint fatty himself, James McDaniel. Listen to that show. Uh, thank you, Kevin Ely, for supporting our guy and supporting uh, supporting a fellow member of the Fight Game Media family. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I don't care about Jack Evans. I know that he's probably going to do something crazy, though, so that's cool. He might die. Yeah. That, like, that's the appeal. There's nothing cool to jump off of in that place, though. So he might have to mm. go up a truss or something like that. Um, there are a lot of people that are really upset when, when he got released from AEW, and I'm kind of like, we got five other guys like him. Like, yeah, well, and he every time I saw him on TV, he just seemed like he'd rather be doing something else. Uh, and he told you, he told you, he's <laughs> like, eh, I got fired. I didn't try very hard. And it's like people <laughs> want to be mad at the billionaire, but he's like, eh, I was pretty lazy when I got a contract. You know? Yeah. I mean, I like Jack Evans, but I'd rather see Bandito versus Speedball or Ray Horus. <laughs> Orders, yeah. you know i mean yeah. and jack evans is fine but speedball's on a tear right now one of the best wrestlers on the planet in the running for wrestler of the year he's gonna win yeah uh jordan grace versus mia yim this one's actually very interesting because you know mia is the the shiny new toy for scott demore she's got the wwe cred coming off of their tv uh, she's here, but Jordan Grace is tremendous. Looks tremendous. Looks, she carries herself like a big star. I think that Jordan Grace should hold the title for two years. But uh, what are you thinking? My head says Jordan Grace retains because I do feel like we're we're pushing her right now, right? And um, could get ugly backstage um, if she doesn't. Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> But I wouldn't be surprised if they went Mia Yim because they do they they will have we just came off a really long reign for the knockouts title. It would not surprise me if we kind of hot shot it a little bit around. Um yeah. head says head says Jordan, but I can be talked into Mia. Yeah. I I my if you're if you're asking what Mike Gilbert would book, it's Jordan Grace all day. Mia Yim's on a short term deal, which has never stopped impact before, but Mia Yim's only got a six month contract. Um, Triple H likes his NXT people. He's probably already in her ear about coming back. I'm sticking with Jordan Grace on this one. I think she should. Not only will she win, she should win. So um, it's only a matter yeah. of time before No Way Jose is back on the main <laughs> roster. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in the main event, we got Impact World Champion Josh Alexander defending against Alex Shelley. Um, I, you know, obviously Josh Alexander is probably going to get the W here. But I, I'm thinking this is going to be a really good match, man. Ale, Alex Shelley is tremendous, and so is Josh Alexander. Yeah, matches all everything I complained about, right, is going to be forgotten about by the time the match is over. It's going to yeah. be a really good match. It's just um, it's my complaint with all of wrestling right now. I don't mind where we're going. I don't mind the result, the destinations. I just wish we could get there better. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Hey, everybody, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or here on YouTube, I want you to check us out on uh, Fight Game Media Plus. Head to patreon.com slash fightgamemedia, where we will be talking some breaking news. We've got a tour schedule coming out. I got uh, got some info about emergence and some other stuff happening and uh, some folks that we thought maybe would be coming into Impact, obviously not coming in right now with the new regime up in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we got we got Brace Debate. we got another debate topic this week that we're going to go over so uh check us out over on fight game media uh fight game media plus patreon.com slash fight game media jd you want to give one more push the red sunrise kickstarter we're still got 10 more hours as of right now so if you're waking up in the morning you probably got a few more hours to kick in it'll end at 10 a.m 
Central Time. So that's 11 a.m. on the East Coast, 8 a.m. on the West Coast, the middle of the night for Mike. So, yeah, come in. Samurais, vampires, lots of blood, lots of gore, lots of Eastern philosophy, lots of good characters. Uh, it's going to be a good short story. I'm very proud of it. Give it a read. Let's go, everybody. Kickstarter, Red Let's- Sunrise. Kickstarter Red Sunrise or follow JD on his Twitter at JD underscore Oliva. And uh, we will see you next week and Patreon stick around.